Before we get to our show, here is a podcast we think you're going to love. Cartoon Dumpster Dive. I'm your host, Joel. And I'm your host, Andrew. Join us as we travel back in time to watch the garbage cartoons from your past. Will you remember them? Maybe. We painstakingly watch every episode of these cartoons to remind you that, hey, some things belong in the past. Our pain is your entertainment. Thanks for tuning in. That's it. That's the trailer. Oh, just like that. The recording has started. Just like that. There was no warning. Okay, hello, friends and enemies. Hello, hello. Gather round. If we have any new listeners, man, hello to you. I don't think we do. Maybe like two. So, hi. You're very special. You have excellent taste. You're in just the right place. Welcome. Without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> it's great to have you here. Enemies, not so much. Log off. No, 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 no. A download is a download, Liz. I don't know. <laughs> Our enemies can listen. So right. Okay, enemies, you're free to download. You're free to complain. Just put it in a five-star review and be sure to include something really funny I can put on merch. Yes, please. The cackling My... has to stop. <laughs> we did hear from a new listener. Didn't we hear from a new listener who was sad that we don't have any tote bags because it was a limited run? Oh, that's run? true. Like, the, the yeah. Cackling. So what? What really, we need a new insulting review. <laughs> we need to um... piss off some new boomers who will tell us. <laughs> what, did, what did that woman tell? That we're dangerous? This podcast is dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we got to step it up. I mean, that would be pretty good on a podcast. Oh. Uh, God, I can't talk. That would be pretty good on a tote bag as well. Ignorant and delusional, I believe. Is what <laughs> I, I believe yeah, you're called. Yeah. In- yes. Uh, well, that we know about Unsolved Mysteries, but not much else, which means well, we just... know about nothing because we don't know much about Unsolved Mysteries. And yet that's why we're here. You look if you're if you're new here i hope you don't think we know a lot about unsolved mysteries i hope that's not why you're listening because you would think that someone that has the audacity to start a podcast (laughs) on a subject would know a lot about that subject you would be wrong this is where this is a podcast of the people this is not for experts this is for (laughs) your fellow mankind anyway i did want to start off by i this might be a a new a new ish listener maybe or maybe I'm just wrong. But Katie from California sent us a book. The Twin Cities Haunted Handbook, which for some reason we didn't have. I believe this was on our Amazon wish list. Which yeah, I should, thank you so much. I should really update that. Yes, thank you. This was a very nice um, present. And it's introducing me to lots of new um, places around town that I did not realize were haunted. First Avenue is apparently haunted. I was there last night. Didn't see a ghost, but maybe next oh. time. There is a haunted Pizza Hut on Central Avenue in Columbia I'm, Heights. I'm Never interested watched. in the haunted Pizza Hut. I'm disappointed Never to hear that the, that the only time people see ghosts the haunted Pizza Hut is at like 1030 in the morning. I don't know who's at a pizza. And they specifically say only the ghost only appears to customers and it only appears to customers in the morning. I don't know who goes to a Pizza Hut at 1030 in the morning. Oh, but... okay. I think employees do see it, but there's like no one around to verify it. Okay, and, was that it? And that customers are usually not there early enough because they don't open till 1045, obviously, because it's oh, a pizza. Okay, hut. well, 
it's the ghost knows this and that's why the ghost shows up at 10 30 well okay if i know everybody's curious who's haunting the pizza hut in columbia heights and it is apparently that location used to be a donut shop and the manager of the donut shop unfortunately committed suicide by hanging in that location so people believe they are seeing the former donut shop owner just kind of wandering around like maybe like he's opening up it's like a guy in an apron sometimes lights go on and off sometimes like the faucet goes on and off but they think he's there to make donuts He's there in the morning because he he thinks he needs to make donuts because he hasn't moved on, which is kind of sad. Pizza Hut, no one, <laughs> nobody. I actually, no Pizza Hut for breakfast. Actually, I would pr- probably prefer the donuts, but I. What's sad to me is that like basically every Pizza Hut now is just like a pickup location. Mm-hmm. I would love to go have a personal pan pizza at a sit down Pizza Hut where the, I want that. After red... you read ten books, I think you only have to read five. Yeah, I will read okay. five books. I will go get my personal pan pizza, which even if I have to pay for it myself, and I want my root beer to come in that red plastic cup. Everybody knows what I'm talking about, right? With the like almost bubble, like the bubble texture on the outside. Mm-hmm. Somehow that root beer just hit different. It was fizzier. <laughs> and you want it to be served to you by a ghost. And Yes! Is that too much to ask? I mean, it doesn't seem like it. I want my personal pan pizza served to me in a haunted pizza hut by a ghost. <laughs> by a ghost. Well, and what's funny is that this book just came telling me about the haunted pizza hut. Is I was legit trying to find a sit-down pizza hut in the area because there's a movie theater by me that is doing a Nick Cage fest this summer. Or series, whatever you call it. They're showing 13 Nicolas Cage movies throughout the summer. <laughs> there's a there's a passport punch card and everything. yes so you get stamps for each movie you go and if you go to all of them or if you go to 10 of them or something you get like a prize but i was like oh we should go have pizza for every five movies that we see because book it has warped my brain i just have got to find a pizza hut we can actually sit down in and i was like could we sit down in a haunted pizza no no it's just a takeaway yeah. one maybe but- i mean you could take take it away but then like is there a picnic table outside <laughs> like you could like sit in the grass maybe be close enough to the pizza hut that maybe the ghost will appear hilariously okay this book actually has like a black and white photo of the pizza hut slash wing street and it's seriously just a tiny little <laughs> it's like that in a parking lot and like nothing else okay well it's a very american image with like no greenery no <laughs> There's just asphalt and a pizza hut and then like someone's <laughs> car that happens to be in that photo. Oh, there's a haunted Dairy Queen in St. Anthony. Oh, my God. Oh, I think I, I've been to that Dairy Queen. I didn't see a ghost, though. Oh. Well, it is directly across the street from a large cemetery. So perhaps the ghosts just want ice cream. <laughs> I mean, bury me across the street from a, a Dairy Queen is all I have to say. <laughs> Go get those blizzards. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to get a cotton candy. They better keep the that cotton candy blizzard around is all i'm saying i just had the girl scouts thin mint blizzard pretty damn good is it good see they, they brought cotton candy back and that's all i can get it's so good shocking that when you crush up thin mint cookies and ice cream guess what it's pretty good <laughs> um okay let's see so uh when no customers are in the store employees sometimes hear their names called out when they investigate there's nobody there after the store is closed employees sometimes hear what little children laughing inside the store i'm not sure i like that actually food falls off shelves normal repeat seats suddenly print out for orders that were never made okay spooky 
Trays that have been neatly stacked are suddenly placed on the tables in front of every chair. That's just a prank. That is your coworker <laughs> pranking you. That, is that? A, wow. These ghosts are really trying to serve people. Okay. I do not want to go to a business called the Busted Nut. <laughs> what is that? And it's apparently a bar and grill in Hastings that's haunted. It would be in Hastings. <laughs> The busted nut? Yeah, no thanks. Um, so, presumably it was something else before it was the busted nut. That's why it's haunted. Oh, I, you know what? I didn't even look because I was like, not going there. I, <laughs> I skipped over that page fast. Uh, so, yeah, like basically everywhere in town's haunted. Cool. I mean. I'm into it. Did it, who, who went to, let's see here. Who went to Falcon Ridge Middle School? in apple valley did you see a ghost get in touch perhaps it's you podcast gmail.com who saw the middle school falcon ridge ghost well we know from another local haunted places book that the state fair is haunted by a pig (laughs) and a small brown bird yeah we only get the most like wholesome hauntings in this town also (laughs) look the state fair is basically outside so you're going to see brown birds. There's no. pigs at the state fair. It's a state okay. fair. Okay. There's a, a, a ghost pig in the pig barn. Wow. How can you explain that? You see a pig. You look away. You look back. Pig's gone. Okay. Well. <laughs> it's almost as if they serve booze at the state fair is what I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, okay. No, that that carny, the, the little brown bird is the ghost of a carny. And if you're at the state fair and you see a little brown bird this year, take a picture, send it our way. Apparently, the Mall of America is haunted. Wow, that seems. I mean, they're just there for Camp Snoopy. <laughs> they changed the name of Camp Snoopy to Nickelodeon Universe, and now the ghost is stuck there forever. <laughs> no, what a sad story. They're not allowed to move on now. They're like, I just <laughs> wanted to go to Camp Snoopy one last time. Oh no. Oh. So now they're just like stuck going to that expensive candy store and touching the stingrays. Getting lost in the Lego store. Yeah. Uh, It's kind of seems like the elevators open. I don't really. There's too many people in the mall. Elevators open? Yeah. People report. At the Mall of America? That's why it's haunted. (laughs) People report that the elevator doors open for them despite not having hit any buttons and no one being near the elevator. That's kind of just, that's just kind of the thing elevators do, everyone. There has to be an explanation for that. It's not the mall, whole mall is haunted. <laughs> Near open or closing time, when there are just a few patrons left in the building, people report phantom foots. Again, that's people. Those are customers. The mall of America is so big. You're hearing footsteps. There's just someone else in there. It's echoey. <laughs> You're never in the mall of America alone. Someone's in there and their footsteps are echoing. Oh my, it bothers to tell you that the Mall of America is quite safe. Like, oh, oh my God. I can't imagine a more, like, controlled environment than the Mall of America. If you're, if you're, if you're in, like, fearing for your safety at the Mall of America, like, that's just, a, that's just a full-time job for you, then. That's all you're ever doing. <laughs> the mall has become safer well compared to when it first, like, oh my God. Okay. What is this, what is this Republican nonsense in here? Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm fascinated that apparently everywhere is haunted. Interesting. Okay. Well, I who went to Willow Lane Elementary School? Um, let's see. Who what kind of ghost is there? Uh, a boy who was murdered. Man, what happened to the school? Yikes. 
Okay, he's in the downstairs boys' restroom, and he'll turn off all the lights. And then if you snap a picture, the ghost of the boy who was murdered will turn up in the picture. That is called an urban legend, everyone. (laughs) I mean, when I went to elementary school, we didn't have uh, cell phones, so we just told people to, like, say Bloody Mary into the mirror and spin around, and that was, it was the same thing. It was the exact same thing. So funny. This is very interesting. Thank you for this, Katie. So I think it's time for snack time. Yes. Samantha tracked down these blueberry muffin Kit Kats. Sure did. Which are limited edition. What's exciting about this is that uh, unlike some other novelty Kit Kats we have tried on this show, these are for an American market. So you might actually have access to them. Where did you find this, Samantha? Our local grocery store. It was on like, it was like an end cap. All right, so let's see how we feel about the blueberry muffin. I am predicting that I'm going to love this because I love anything blueberry flavored. This just seems like a flavor that would work. And it's like the lemon Kit Kats. I feel like this is just going to work. So this is the type of Kit Kat that doesn't have chocolate. The coating itself is the blueberry muffin flavor. And then it seems like it has more. Smells good. It says crisp wafers and blueberry muffin flavored cream. And I'm not sure what is in between the wafers. Okay, let's let's take a bite. I like it. it I'm really, good. I'm really not into this. What? No. I like it. Mm. No. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Mm. I think I'm done with that. I. What don't you like about it? I don't like it at all. <laughs> no. Well. Mm. Mm. It tastes. Must suck to have messed up taste buds. <laughs> I feel like you say that to me all the time. <laughs> Sooner or later, I'm going to cry. You'll be like, you'll be eating your all dill dip, being like, I don't know what's wrong with Liz. Um, um, um. No, it just means more for me, really. Yeah. I It tastes just kind of artificial to me in a way I, I can't handle. I would dislike that about most things, but I like I like blueberry flavored things. So, mm, yeah. Good. I would compare this to like a yogurt covered pretzel, mm. but which I, is not a bad thing. But in blueberry flavor. I feel like no. those are usually like strawberry yogurt flavor or something. Yeah. That's a very similar b- vibe, but blueberry. Mm. No? You're too busy eating all of it. I'm, just... I'm eating the rest of it. Sorry. It's good. <laughs> well, I'm glad you like it. Um, <laughs> I'm actually drinking your rhubarb juice right now. It's delicious. I'm glad you like it. People don't know that you're living such a cottage core existence, making <laughs> rhubarb co- juice concentrate, and it's so yummy. This is this could maybe be my recommendation early, but I joined a Facebook group. I should look it up. I'm only in Facebook on Facebook for the groups these days. Oh, sure, I joined yeah. the original, and for some reason, original has uh, commas around it. Sure, Ori- original safe canning recipes. There's also two emojis. In the title, there's a, a tomato and a corn emoji. Okay, so you know you're in the right one. Yeah, this is a canning group I joined because I saw someone in a vegetable gardening group that I'm in, because these are my hobbies, um, recommend it. Because this group is like very strict about um, can- can- like safe canning practices. Like mm. I have learned things in this group that I didn't even realize. Like, did you know... That if a canning recipe is more than 10 years old, it's not considered a safe canning recipe anymore, and you're supposed to throw it out? I didn't know that. I know so, that, but I also, I, I'm I a rebel. I'm a rebel. 
I so, didn't know that. I refused um, to do that, but I did know that that is considered good policy. Yeah, so this group is like very strict. If you even like hint at some sort of unsafe canning practice, you're not allowed to be like, well, this is how my family has always canned for my entire life. And it's all we haven't gotten botulism yet. Um, you're not allowed to do any of that kind of stuff. So all of the recipes that they post are like proven recipes. They have like their own blog where they curate like proven, tested, safe recipes. Anyway, I'm saying this because I found this rhubarb recipe in this group. It's called Sunshine rhubarb concentrate it's so easy to make uh and it's just rhubarb juice with lemon and orange juice and some like zest of a lemon and an orange and sugar and you boil it for a little while and then can it and you can mix it with ginger ale and it's absolutely delicious did you make the rhubarb juice Yes. Yeah, you just chop up rhubarb, boil it, and then you put it over some cheesecloth. You don't have to juice it or anything. Like, you don't need a juicer. You just oh, okay. You just make it. You make rhubarb mush by boiling the rhubarb until it's mush, and then you put it over a cheesecloth and let it drain for a couple hours, and that's the juice you use to make the concentrate. I love how you say like, of course, like everybody, everybody knows that, Liz. Everybody <laughs> well, knows how to make rhubarb juice. Like, oh. well, a lot Ooh. of a lot of juice recipes, like grape juice and like other juices that you would can, you need a juicer. Yeah, and I don't. I don't have a juicer. I don't really want to buy a juicer. I don't make a lot of juice, so I appreciated this recipe because it was so easy. You just had to boil it down and then strain it. And my, I, I planted rhubarb. I, we both planted rhubarb last year because I got it from Travis's mm-hmm. grandma. But I, mine is not ready to harvest. I don't know how yours is. Mine's doing great, but it's just a little too small. Yeah, I could maybe get a couple stalks off there, but um, I'll probably you need- wait a lot for this you need like 12 cups for this recipe so i went back to travis's grandma grandma's house where she has a huge rhubarb patch and i harvested a whole bunch of it and i made a batch of this drink concentrate and it's so good the only thing i will say about this facebook group is that they're constant there's people constantly posting about canning meat which is something i have absolutely less than zero interest in doing that sounds very gross to me people are like canning salisbury steak which sounds like well, I want to gag just thinking about it, but for what like, they're bomb shelters. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I guess if you're in like such a remote area that you're not going to be going to the store all the time, maybe it makes sense. But for me, that would make like for me, if I start doing that, everyone, that's a cry for help. <laughs> I have less than no interest in doing this. It might taste really good. I don't know. I will never find out. I will but... never know. No, I don't want to know. I will never know. Yeah. So that was a little, a little canning sidebar that no one asked for. But I'm now glad that, you liked the juice. That's a little part of the grandma cast, which is something we sneak in here periodically. <laughs> I only have grandma hobbies. I don't know what to tell you. As we discuss, you know, fine apples at the state fair and why you should label your quilts and yep. appreciating your uh, local drinking water if it's drinkable, <laughs> stuff like that. Anyway, now that we <laughs> now that we close out Grandma Cast, we can go back into our Unsolved Mysteries rewatch mode. Did you know that's what this podcast is actually about? Oh, it's, it it's not about grandma topics like canning and gardening. I would. We could start that. But let's stop watching TV. Let's just let's just make the Grandma Cast. Except that we're not grandmas at all. <laughs> yeah, I, we have no children, so it's gonna be a little bit hard for us to. Uh, I posted some meme a little while ago that was like, 
you know, like, how do you see yourself in old age? And it had this picture of this anarchist grandma, like, <laughs> burning something. I don't even know what it was. And burning I put po- Molotov. Costume. Yeah. <laughs> and then I posted that and Rochelle was like, well, not me. I don't have any children. And I was like, okay, you're being a little literal. Hello, friend of the pod, Rochelle. You can be the witchy aunt. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, they're fine. interchangeable. I, I can't fine. be a literal grandma if I don't have any children. That's, you know, too bad for me. But um, in spirit you know we're already the the we're like the bad influence old ladies causing trouble (laughs) giggling in church or something okay no we are actually here today to talk about season seven episode nine of the original unsolved mysteries robert stack episodes and this episode's pretty lit so um your first mystery spoiler alert love it i'm so into it i'm into it i'm into it i was texting samantha while i was watching this like this is actually pretty interesting so we are talking about the gordon light today which is in gordon arkansas which at the time of this unsolved mystery segment had a population of 2700 i did not look up to see how it's changed but it's described as a typical small town the railroad that goes through town connects st louis and dallas Robert Stack says, as darkness descends, an air of expectancy settles over Gordon. Most nights, the residents anticipate the arrival of their very own unsolved mystery. I'm already so hooked. I mean, this is a great one because it's, like, not tragic. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Someone does die, but, you know, it was a long time ago. and old-timey ghost way. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, okay, on the tracks just outside of town for the past couple of decades, people have witnessed an eerie, unexplained light. And what's part of so, what was one of the reasons this segment is so cool is that Unsolved Mysteries actually took a time lapse photo of this light. And so there's like evidence of it that you see in Unsolved Mysteries. Um, If you don't know how time lapse photography works, it's when you set up, uh, I don't even know if you, I assume you could do this digitally somehow, but this would have been with a film camera. You set it up so it takes in very little light at a time, and you leave it there for a long time. So they didn't say how long they left the camera out to get this photo, but it's taken over like a span of time instead of, you know, a portion of a second. And that captures this glowing red light hovering over the railroad track. This photo gave me goosebumps. It looks like a train is coming at you. Yeah, except there's only one, like, sphere or whatever. Yeah. And you might expect a train to have two. I don't know if they always do, but... um, Maybe. What do I know about trains? I'm not an old man. Either um, way, it gives the sense that, like, something is coming towards you. Yes, it, it is directly on the railroad tracks robert stack says that this is the first time that the phenomenon had been captured on film we also see a light on a very grainy videotape honestly that could be literally anything um because it's so dark i love i love the zoom the yeah enhance, the zoom and enhance that they do and I, this is just a bigger version of the grainiest thing i've ever seen in my life it could be literally anything but what's interesting about this phenomenon is that there's so many witnesses and they're very constant like they're very consistent like you can like make a plan to go see this light um should we go see this light i think yes i it's apparent i looked into it it's still happening people still don't know what it is uh spoiler still unsolved 
I think we should check it out. Okay. So we hear from a witness named Michael who says he's seen it 20 to 25 times and describes himself as a very skeptical person. So obviously we believe him. Then we hear from a woman named Mary who says she's seen it hundreds of times. And it's like clearly a thing with her family to like go look at the light. That's like a thing they do (laughs) on a regular basis, which I love. We hear from Joel who has um, quite a big mustache, which is called this little light of mine. (laughs) He's going to let it shine. And he's seen it 60 to 70 times. Okay. And he says that if you see it once in an evening, you'll probably be able to see it several times that same night. So the question from Robert Stack is, is this a natural phenomenon, a long-running prank, or something beyond explanation? So the local legend in town is that in December of 1931, a man named Will McLean was a railroad foreman, and he confronted one of his workers, Louis McBride, around midnight. Because the day before, a train had derailed, and for some reason that is not explained to me, McBride was suspected of sabotaging the track... And that's why the train derailed. So he was fired. However, you know, he needed that job. So he was not too pleased about being fired. And he picked up a tool and killed McLean. A search party eventually went went looking for McLean. And they found a trail of blood on the tracks. And they followed it to the edge of town. That's where they found his body. By the following morning, McBride had confessed to the killing. In February of 1932, he was executed for that crime. So, like, a year later. Shortly afterwards, people began seeing this light. So, it's believed to be the ghost of McLean now doomed to walk along the railway holding his lantern. Okay. Which would have been, you know, standard practice at the time. This is a good legend, I have to say. Doomed to walk the railway with your lantern for eternity? Which was, like, spooky shit. Kind of his job, right? To, like, monitor. The, the railway and make sure that like everything was in working order and you know to prevent things like the the derailment that had happened which is probably why he fired someone because he you know didn't want to be responsible for it himself anyway so we learned that sometimes the light follows trains it has been seen heading in the direction of the nearby cemetery it can be a quick flash or slowly fade in and out It's usually one to three feet above the tracks, and it may change colors. Mm -hmm. It's rarely visible for more than 10 seconds. Most people said, like, a second. Like, you'll see it for a second, and then it'll reappear later. I really want to see these lights now. There's also a local legend that if the light gets behind you, you won't be able to get back to your car. Okay, that sounds like a legend. (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't really make sense. Um, But basically, people don't want to turn their back on it because they don't know what it is. Well, so, that makes sense. Yeah. But I think you'll still be able to get back to your car, everyone. Also, the light is like older than your car. So when did this <laughs> when did this start? Um we hear from Dr. Charles Lemming, who I'm sad to say has since passed away. He's a physics professor, and every year he would take his students to Gordon to search for an answer for these lights. This is part of what makes this mystery so good is that people have really tried to find a scientific explanation and have failed. Originally, it was thought that this was car headlights from an interstate four miles away that were somehow being reflected. However, for one, witnesses started seeing this light way before the highway was built because the highway wasn't built until 1970. Also, I looked into this a little bit more because I was like, well, that does seem like sort of a plausible explanation. Um, 
And if you go to the website Curious Historian, they have an article on the mystery of the Gordon Ghost Light. And they kind of explain why that um, the car theory doesn't make sense. Well, I like the fact that the light started appearing before the inner. So they were, there's a theory that like the interstate, like lights are reflecting off the interstate, but the interstate wasn't there. There's plenty of sightings of these lights before the interstate existed. Okay. So um, this website notes that graduate students determined that the length of time that the Gordon light was visible did not match up with the amount of time a car's headlights would be visible, assuming they managed to be refracted up and over a hill from the interstate four miles away. He also noted that highway sounds did not coordinate with the appearance of the light. So they didn't find any pattern between cars and um, the light. Also, if you go to tripsavvy.com, they also have an article about this. And what it says is that the light can't be seen by from the highway. Um, there's a two and a half mile hike in between the two. Um, uh, blah, blah, blah. And that the theory that it's refracting through the trees. Um, okay. This is what it says. In a 1980 Arkansas Gazette article, a former graduate student at Henderson State University researched the light and stated, the nearest interstate to the tracks is about four miles away, and a large hill stands in between the tracks and the interstate. If the light was caused by passing headlights, it would be refracted up and over the hill to be visible on the other side. So it doesn't make sense that it's only visible in one location, if that's where it's coming from. Also, I feel like because it's so low to the tracks... Yeah, that's another um, whatever. So the article claims that there was an attempt to gauge the length of time it would take a, a car to cross the horizon point at a 45 degree angle at 55 miles, like blah, 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 blah. Basically, the lights would be visible for much longer than the second that it usually appears. Like there wouldn't be a reason why you only see it very briefly and then it reoccurs later. Yeah. Super interesting. Okay. Um... All right, so there, is, there are other theories. Um, could it be swamp gas, they very briefly said. And then they were like, no, that doesn't make sense because people see not, the light when it's windy. And not every everything ghost is, is swamp gas. Uh, uh, is there ever really swamp gas? It just is seems it to be the, even the thing. <laughs> it just seems to be the go-to explanation. So no, that, didn't one, that one doesn't make sense. Okay, but the like tectonic plates or whatever, that theory, I, I thought that theory may, have, may hold some water. Okay, so this is about piezoelectricity, which is when rocks such as quartz conduct an electric current. The railway in this town is on top of a deep bed of quartz, and also there's a fault line, which Samantha referred to. So could it be that when the plates shift, this is creating an electric spark? Also, they Unsolved Mysteries notes that the death of McLean does basically coincide with a major earthquake in the area, which might have impacted the fault lines. So maybe that's why it started to appear then. Yeah, it was like the same weekend or something that he died. There was that earthquake. Um, but that also doesn't explain why it's above the surface. Like, th then the light should be at the surface of the Earth, and it always seems to be a foot or three above it. And also, it seems to always be a spherical shape, which doesn't make sense with that theory. So that's kind of it. Nobody still nobody knows what it is. It's still seen on a regular basis. Apparently, you can go there 
and it's not there literally every night but it's there most nights and you could just like go out and go like huh i do not know what that is you know what this reminded me of which is very silly is have you seen either on tiktok or reposted on instagram like me that video where if you bite a wintergreen lifesaver okay i know what you're talking about it sparks in your mouth have you seen that I've, I've i remember that like from a billion years ago but yes so yeah. this is like resurfaced on TikTok. If you go to Hank Green's TikTok, he he like explains the science of why it happens. It's very interesting, and apparently it has to do with wintergreen, like something about wintergreen. It's very it's interesting, and, but also bizarre. Which is why, like, I remembered that TikTok when I was watching this, and I was like, okay, it, it's like that TikTok mint thing, but with the ground. Yes. Well, what if it's not a bed of quartz? What if it's a bed of wintergreen? <laughs> maybe, maybe. What if we? Is there a lot of wild mint growing in the area? Have so we? Look into it. Have we misjudged what the ground here is made out of? And it's actually you're chewing on wintergreen mints in the dark, and that's the problem. Look into it. Or is the ghost chewing on a wintergreen mint? Oh, maybe they love those wintergreen lifesavers. Oh yeah, sorry, lifesaver um i mean maybe other mints too i feel it seems like people do this with lifesavers but i think it's because it's hard i think it needs to be hard okay. and wintergreen so you can really crunch down on it yeah yeah so i'm guessing the ghost though he died before wintergreen lifesavers were available i'm guessing <laughs> he found some and now afterlife. well no he can't cross over because he doesn't want to live without him oh you're right someone see this is like there's no cold cokes in hell there is yeah. there are no wintergreen lifesavers beyond the no, veil they're not in time. they're not in hell and they're not in heaven he's not willing to take that chance they're, they he, only exist on this earthly plane yeah someone drops them he got a taste and now he's like i can't i can't leave i can't leave he's, without my he's winter doomed to walk the tracks crunching on wintergreen mints for the rest of his life for he's eternity hoping, he hoping he's hoping he finds more but he never will no. It's a it's a very sad existence. <laughs> I think we solved it. Ghost shoes. We've solved. You know what? We've solved so many mysteries on this podcast. Yeah, for a while we were giving ourselves a hard time that we hadn't solved any mysteries. But you know, I we think solved we've, the mystery we've of solved werewolves. Many. Okay, I think you literally did solve the mystery of werewolves. <laughs> Listen to our Patreon Bray Beast episode, which I believe we released to everybody eventually. If you want to I hear Samantha's yeah. werewolf theory, go listen to that one. I think she's dead on about it. I think we solved the Bray Beast, and I think we just solved the Gordon Light. And it's the ghosts love lifesavers. Life say, I mean, think about it, Samantha. Lifesavers. Oh, think about it. Think about it. My mind is I'm just like I'm a I'm a Joe Rogan meme right now. My mind Wah. is blown. My, there's a vein bulging in my forehead. Wah. Oh my god. Last night on Twitter, I saw it was just like a bunch of conf- professors complaining about their conservative students, and I thought it was really funny. So I was really like, <laughs> reading through that. And someone was like, one of my students tried to cite the Joe Rogan po- podcast as a source. <laughs> and they were like, absolutely not fair but students out there can you please please cite this podcast in a paper and let me know how it goes i'm not responsible for the f you get though that's on you but please do it oh my god i just want to see our podcast and like a work cited yes Yes. 
absolutely please cite us as a scholarly source and let us know what your professor (laughs) thinks about that they're gonna be like these people don't even know how to pronounce people's names how dare you okay um that is the end of that mystery i kind of do think we should check it out i'm very into it now yeah i'm into it it ends ends with mystery well mystery mary i just gave her a nickname it ends with witness mary saying do we really want to know what it is because that okay, would take, I love her. <laughs> because that would take all the mystery out of it and all the fun and you're like you're right mary mary just wants to have generations of kids to have memories of their families going, down, going, to going down to see the lights on the railroad track. She, was, she was like seriously do not fucking figure this out you're gonna ruin it for me and all of my descendants <laughs> And I respect that, Mary. I kind of do. Mystery Mary. As someone who loves mysteries, I kind of do. Okay, Samantha's going to talk to us about a final appeal. This is a final appeal from Stuart Heaton in Ramsey, Illinois. So it's July 1991. Carpenter Stuart Heaton is accused of the murder of high school sophomore Crystal Knapp, who was found raped and stabbed to death with a scissors in her parents' trailer on July 23rd. Yeah, she was stabbed, what was it, like 81 times? So many times this woman was stabbed. It's horrible. Horrific. Oh, my God. It is horrible. Made all the worse because she was three months pregnant at the time. Ugh. So, uh, Stuart was an old friend of Curtis Nab, who's Crystal's brother. Um, According to Curtis, he had been at the Nab home several times. Um, Police became suspicious of Stuart because... um, I believe his truck was seen yes. by witnesses parked outside of the. So they, there was this this truck, this white truck that was spotted parked outside of the home for several hours during the time when she was probably being murdered, and they're going around asking people, "Who do you know who has this very specific make and model type of truck?" and Curtis says, well, my, you know, he hasn't been around in a while, but my friend Stuart drives this that same truck. And so they go to question Stuart and they notice that he has cuts all over his hands. He also has like a either a bruise or a cut on his head, which they're they're asking, like, how did you get all these cuts? And of course, he says they're from his job as a carpenter, which does actually make sense. He says he's interviewed from prison this is the final appeal so you know he's in prison so he's interviewed from prison and he's basically like a carpenter that doesn't have cuts on his hand is a carpenter who's bad at his job i will say they show photographs of his hands that were taken for evidence they're pretty minor cuts Uh um i would kind of expect someone you know what kind of expert am i but i would expect if you stab someone 80 times with scissors that your hands would be more cut up Something they point out on forensic files that I don't know that we necessarily think about because it's so disgusting. I think I've brought this up on the podcast before is that obviously blood is very slippery and it's very easy even when holding like a knife that once there's a lot of blood, your hand slips from the handle onto the blade and you end up cutting your own hand, possibly leaving, you know, your own DNA at the scene or whatever, which is why it came up. But I was like, stabbing someone that many times with a pair of scissors i just feel like well also i don't know that's just my layman's opinion i would have expected his hands to be more cut up yeah i mean obviously this is the most circumstantial evidence ever but i mean it's true like they don't go into it but i'm sure if you're stabbing someone with the scissors that person is fighting back yeah 
this wasn't a i can't imagine this was a fast thing and so they don't scratch you up now he does have cuts on his forehead and then he has they say other marks on his body they don't elaborate um but regardless this is definitely circumstantial um i have the biggest bruise on my hip right now and i have no idea where that came (laughs) from so like i don't know that's true and if you have a physical job Right? Like, he's always moving probably planks of wood, heavy things. He did have a reason it was... He didn't just go like, uh, I don't know. Like, he's like, yeah, because I work with my hands. Yeah. Now, okay. Anyway, uh, I was going to talk about the update before I got there, but I'm not going to. Um, So, uh, authorities also found... um, Oh yeah, so then the the truck was literally identical to the one that eyewitnesses saw outside of the NAB trailer the day of the murder. Um, And he also matched witnesses' description of the driver of that truck. So they have a little bit more circumstantial evidence. Um, One of the witnesses, in fact, described unusual and distinct hubcaps on the truck, which were the same type of hubcaps that were on Stewart's truck. Um, also a mailman who knew Stuart identified his truck as being outside of the NAB home that day. So this is looking not great for Stu, I gotta say, at this point, um, because people who, who know him specifically and know of his truck say, yeah, that was his truck parked outside the house. Um, also the witnesses noted that the truck did not have any toolboxes in it. Um, a neighbor told police that he had helped Stuart put toolboxes in the truck several hours after the murder. So, not looking great. Uh, Stewart was indicted on sept- in September of 1991, at which time a blood sample was taken, um, which was shown to have matched uh, the semen found in Crystal's body. Now, this is DNA evidence, and they go into the... Which I found this actually very interesting. So, they start talking about the DNA evidence. And the gist of it is that, like, this is early days of DNA, right? So, like, it's it's not sophisticated. And what they they show on Unsolved Mysteries, each side, which this happens in trials all the time, uh, but each side had their own DNA expert, and the prosecute the the whole the argument over the DNA hinged on whether or not there were like these dark rings present in both samples this looks absolutely if you're watching forensic files today this looks nothing like that um and basically each expert says the opposite like this is definitively him this is definitively not him and then it was up to the jury to decide um the expert for the prosecution does say that the prob claims the probability of it being someone else was fifty two thousand six hundred to one that's not that good it's not actually it's not that great it's not like i feel like this is a big number that you could maybe tell a jury and they might be like oh 56 52,600 to one but usually it's not a million to one right like that's i feel like with a good dna match now they'll be like yeah there's literally like this is like one in a hundred billion and there aren't that many people on earth so like i feel like much more conclusive than this yeah and you are kind of hinting at the update but uh stewart's mother claims um that there was other evidence at the crime scene that did not match stewart and what she's actually saying here is that they found fingerprints everywhere in this place and none of they could not find a fingerprint from Stuart. And she says, which kind of makes sense, which is like, 
so say he cleaned up his own so he was supposedly spent hours in this house which is what witnesses said that his truck was parked out there for hours he spent hours in this house got no fingerprints every anywhere so maybe he cleaned it up but how did he only clean up his own fingerprints and not all of these other fingerprints that belong to all these other people um now i would say he went in there with the intention of murdering her and maybe wore gloves but right right but that is her contention um let's see at trial curtis nab said that he had found stewart in bed with his older sister melanie two years earlier however stewart claimed that curtis's testimony was inconsistent stewart basically said that he like barely knew this family he he didn't know crystal at all uh and other witnesses claim completely different um Stewart's wife was also a witness at the trial. This I don't understand because Robert Stack says that both Stewart's mother and Stewart's wife were called as hostile witnesses. But I thought if you were married, your spouse cannot be made to testify against you. Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I do not have an answer to that. Is that a newer law than this than 1991? Like I don't, I, I, don't, I don't think under- so. I don't understand because it, it was very clear that that Stewart's wife believed him and did not want to testify against him but she for some reason had to that's very weird i don't know so her testimony was that stewart had different clothes on during the afternoon of the mother the the murder than the morning so her testimony was that he changed his clothes prosecutors suggested that stewart had hidden a pair of bloody blue jeans sometime during that day two more witnesses gave stewart an alibi for the time of the murder which was somewhere between 10 a.m and 3 p.m but the prosecution was able to show that their testimony was unreliable Stewart did not testify on his own behalf, which this is right. This is right. It, you don't have to, and honestly, it's usually not a good idea to test to testify on your own behalf. Um, if he has any prior crimes, he's not going to want to testify because then those can be brought into evidence. Right. So if he had ever, I don't know, robbed something or um, been in a bar fight or you know whatever. Um, those things can be brought up uh, if you testify to sort of make you seem like a less credible witness. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a reason a lot of times why people don't testify in their their own defense. I don't know that that is the case here, but that's often the case. Yeah. So we talked about the arguments over the DNA evidence, which was very shaky. Even for the time, it was shaky. Robert Sack tells us that the DNA experts testified about the odds that someone else's DNA was found on Crystal's body and that the odds were actually lower than what is normally allowed in most trials with DNA evidence. I don't like that at all. That uh, It's yeah. not great. It's not great because the rest of this is circumstantial. They didn't yeah. find they didn't find no, like there was no witness with of, of him with blood on him. There was no fingerprints of his at the scene like i said before so the rest of this case is circumstantial and then they have this shaky dna evidence which is not great um also did they give like a real motive i know you don't need to have one but it is odd to like why did he do it so he claims that he didn't know crystal but he knew the family he was friends with her brother at one point even if they hadn't seen him in a while and so they do not say what the motive is but he knew he knew her kind of he knew of her at least why would he want to stab her 81 times just he's a sicko i don't know yeah yeah i mean he assaulted her as well i don't i have no idea um that's that's look he he might have done it i don't know i just feel like this is very circumstantial evidence for him to be put to death like that just doesn't sit right with me at all 
Um, I was I'm looking at the Wikipedia to see if there was any motive given, but I'm not seeing one. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm not sure that anyone because he and he, the other thing is that he insisted he is innocent forever. Right, right. Um, he has never wavered from the fact that he uh, he claims to be innocent. So he was convicted, of course, as is the final appeal. Um, I lost my place in my notes. Okay. Uh, yeah, he was found guilty of first degree murder and the death of Crystal Nab. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. So despite the circumstantial evidence and the DNA evidence from the prosecution, some claim that Stewart was railroaded. So there's a couple people that we talked to. One is investigative journalist David uh, Protess. Uh, He began looking into the case after Stewart was convicted. He looked at the records for trucks registered in Ramsey, Illinois, that matched the description of the truck seen outside of the NAB home. And he narrowed down the list to 12, which he... Okay, so it all of... Oh, well, I guess this was just in Ramsey, Illinois. Yeah. Which, that is actually a lot of trucks for one one pretty small town. It's a small town. Yeah, and that doesn't include, like, nearby towns or, like, the county or whatever. Right. So there's a lot of trucks that could have looked like Stewart's truck in this one town alone. And he does say that one of the other truck owners had a lengthy criminal record and knew Crystal. But yeah, I mean, that that's not necessarily mean anything. I don't know. I, I, I got, okay. I didn't realize this was a life sentence and not a death penalty, which is what the final appeals usually are. Um, it does seem pretty circumstantial to me. I am not completely sold it on his on his guilt at all. Okay. Well, let me ask you what you think about that after we get to the update. So, okay. <laughs> um, from, okay. by, from this segment, I say. Yes. I, I get why there's a final appeal. Oh, 100%. And I can see why Unsolved Mysteries heard his case and decided to, to show it. So according to the statistics on the DNA sample used at trial, there were at least 4,800 people in the United States that had the same profile as the one found on Crystal's body. That is a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Stewart's new lawyers found that Dr. Robert Allen, who is the DNA specialist that testified at Stewart's trial, had re- retracted his methods that he had used to identify Stewart's DNA on Crystal's body. Uh, Protest also states that the DNA sample on Crystal's body was was old and should not have been used at all. Interesting. So, um, he also found evidence of subjectivity in Alan's records. Alan's colleague, uh, yeah, there was, like, a note that, I forget who, if you wrote it to the prosecutor or what, but the expert for the prosecution basically, like, wrote a note or a letter or responded to a a request to be the expert or a request to analyze the DNA and was basically like, well, I hope it proves he's guilty. So that's not great. Um, See, that's the problem with um, forensic science is that it doesn't, it doesn't apply scientific standards. Like you shouldn't know when you're testing that whose sample that is. You shouldn't go into it with that bias of man. I hope this shows he's guilty. Like that affects results. Right, you're working for the prosecution, right? You're trying to give the prosecution what they want. You're yeah. like, well, I, ho- I hope this works out for you. I hope it proves he's guilty. Well, that's not. <laughs> there's no du- there's no double blind process, and there's no confirmation. You don't yeah. have someone looking at a sample anonymously, not knowing anything about it, find a result, and then get another result, which is what you should do in a scientific process. Um, it's just very frustrating to me. Yeah. Yeah, it is frustrating. And in fact, there is a colleague of Dr. Allen that there is interview who's interviewed for the show and who states definitively that what he saw 
presented at the trial, he does not believe was strong enough to convict someone and send them to prison for life. He says there might be evidence I'm not aware of, but from what I saw, the DNA test, the DNA alone that I looked at, he didn't feel that was strong enough evidence to prove without a reasonable doubt that Stewart did it. No. Um, now, of course, the prosecutors maintain, you know, whatever that, that it was him. Um, they say that various witness statements about the truck and driver, the cuts on his hands were also key in proving. They basically like, well, it wasn't just the DNA evidence. There's also all this other evidence. And it's like, yeah, but that's very circumstantial. He has cuts on his hands. He works with his hands. If cuts on your hands was proof that you were a murderer, my husband would should be in prison because that man looks like he's fighting with cats every day <laughs> because he works with his hands. Yeah, I mean, driving a white pickup truck and having cuts on your hands in rural Illinois—yeah, that's not enough. That's not that <laughs> cannot be enough evidence. There's twelve of those trucks in that town. You're telling me people driving those trucks, none of them had yeah. any cuts on their hands. And I'm telling you again, there were—it was not that severe of cuts. Like yeah. it definitely seemed like it's not like his hands were like all hacked up, and he was like, "Yeah, this is from carpentry." And you're like, "How?" Like you're like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I do think that the, I find the some of the witnesses more credible than others. The mailman who knew Stuart personally and knew Stuart's truck, I feel like yeah, you, would, is... you would rec recognize that specific truck. There's like distinct hubcaps on his truck, apparently. So I do think that the witnesses were a little more credible, you know, than they could have been. But I still don't think that's necessarily enough evidence. For life? I, I think you're right. That, that That's the most credible piece of evidence that I do feel like that person would probably know. But it's like, why did he do it? Um, and yeah. you don't, yeah, you don't have like, if he was wearing gloves, like, where are those gloves? Like, right, right. exactly. Um, the scissors were left at the scene. So it's not yep. like he was found with scissors or, you know, even though yep. that, it'd be like, well, people own scissors. Everybody owns scissors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Unsolved Mysteries, when you're watching this episode, at least, yeah, I know that Unsolved Mysteries is working on updating. Some, mm. with with some of the new updates and some but they have not updated this one so there's no update in the episode at the end of this segment but if you go to unsolved mysteries wiki this uh is considered solved okay. in 2001 a new round of dna testing was done that proved that stewart was the killer the chance of it being someone else's dna was over 31 billion to one okay using, there, see? The, using the new testing that's the kind of number i want to hear that's yeah. a, it's like well we would literally have to go into outer space and find aliens to include <laughs> them yeah yeah right like yeah. that's that's the type of number that's much more convincing so i still maintain that the original case was shaky i honestly think it's 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 maybe just a little bit lucky and honestly they would not have looked at stewart whatsoever if they hadn't specifically gone to the brother and said hey does someone drive a truck that looks like this and he knew Stuart. like they wouldn't have found him at all yeah i don't know that the brother he wasn't like i know who had it out for my sister this guy it's just like he was like the only person i can think of that has this truck is him is this guy right apparently so, there are currently 7.7 .7 billion people on earth okay um so one in 30 billion is pretty damn good yeah yeah um yeah that's it's interesting that he's maintained his innocence this whole time apparently that's yeah. actually it's you think that's what people would always do but it's it's kind of not no it's not um hmm. 
Hmm. Yeah, so Wikipedia says a little bit more. Um, so he has repeatedly requested to have his conviction overturned and it's been denied. In July 2001, Heaton was granted a new round of DNA testing by Fayette County by a Fayette County judge. It was performed and unequivocally proved that he was, in fact, the murderer. Hmm. Well, so I gave you the benefit of the doubt, Stuart, and look what you did to me. Yeah, I mean, you really do finish watching that segment thinking that this, that because it's always reasonable doubt, right? Like, there's reasonable doubt here. Like the I, DN, the original DNA testing was really shaky. My my impression, having watched that, was maybe he did it, but that was not proven at trial. Like, yeah. it's like, yeah, it could have been him. Um, it sounds like he didn't have an alibi. He had the right truck. Like, he knew the family more than he admitted, which is suspicious. Um. But I didn't feel like that was proven at all. And we've definitely seen other cases where people have just been railroaded uh, for no goddamn reason. Oh, so exactly. um, that's very interesting. Interesting yep. update there. Okay. Yeah. Um, then we have an unnecessary update in the segment, which is a mystery we've already fucking talked about. And I'm so sick of this. Unsolved Mysteries, why do you do this to me? Not only have we already talked about Okay, look, I normally love a lost love. But this one has such a sad ending. Yeah, brutal. The sister, she just wants a bone marrow match. She wants to find her sister so she can be a bone marrow donor. And even if her sister isn't willing to be a match or it doesn't work out for her to be a match, then she's like, they still, at least they've gotten to know each other. And her sister, they find her sister. There's a filmed reunion and the sister is willing to be a bone marrow donor. And then she dies. She like immediately dies after immediately, they Immediately. Like, oh, I, I don't even know. Immediately. A week later. I'm not exactly sure the timeline, but. Very, very shortly after they meet. Before... You want to be kicked in the gut? This is the update <laughs> you should watch. Why are they showing this to us again? Because they're cruel. Because they're mad that we're making this podcast. It's probably specific just for us. <laughs> Liz and Samantha will hate this. Uh, yeah, it's so sad. I mean, I'm glad that she. Um, got to meet her sister it kind of feels like she was holding out for that and then once that happened yeah. i don't i mean i don't know uh, how much stock to put in that but you hear of people holding on and then like oh, once sure. something happens they're you know able to to pass but ugh, oh, i hate it okay but we have another case now that i am obsessed with and i feel like this one's gonna get me in trouble <laughs> uh, let's enjoy this wanted which is the story of Rose Turford and Carolyn Stevens, known as the real-life Thelma and Louise. <laughs> I'm glad I you got it. this mystery. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, if you've not seen Thelma and Louise, people, get on it. This is a classic. And it holds up. Okay. So the two of them were wanted for aggravated battery. How did they meet, They you ask? Well, like any good story, they met in 1992, where they were both nurses at a psychiatric hospital <laughs> in Houston. So good. By 1995, they had embarked on what... <laughs> they, they had, quote, embarked on a vicious game, is what Robert Stack called it. <laughs> okay, Ro Robert Stack. <laughs> I know. Rose was known as a loving mother, wife, and dedicated professional. However... In 1995, as part of her dangerous game, she began to solicit men through the personal ads. They would meet her at a motel for a bottle of wine, at which point Carolyn would enter the room with a gun, handcuff them to a bed, and rob them. They would leave the naked, the victims stripped naked and handcuffed to the bed. Carolyn would guard them while Rose went out to use their ATM and credit cards. It's just, it's a beautiful friendship that blossomed. <laughs> Into something more than they ever expected. 
Kind of like when Samantha and I met and this podcast came about. You know what I there's, mean? There's a, there's honestly the parallels are uncanny. It just it they they were just co-workers. They happened to meet at the psychiatric hospital where they both worked, <laughs> and then they realized that they had a mutual interest. And it wasn't talking about Kurt McFall on Unsolved Mysteries. For them, it was what if we met up with men, handcuffed them to beds and robbed them, and they would be too embarrassed to do anything about it. And I think that's beautiful. I, I do. I do. So over this, three what months. What a story of friendship. Honestly. I know. I know. This could be a Disney movie. <laughs> could and should. <laughs> over three months, they robbed at least 10 men for a quarter of a million dollars. Oh, it's so beautiful. I wonder what they spent. They're robbing some, some wealthy men. Yeah, seriously. That's not Only that many men. Only 10 men got them a quarter of a million dollars? In 1995 money. I'm going to say this is a victimless crime. <laughs> I, I they clearly these men had too much money and they needed to share these okay? guys had more than one boat each right <laughs> oh, you make an excellent point and we are very strict about how many boats i think we at one point if you was like if you had more than four what no if you have more than one i think it, i think we drew the line at six for some reason but that seems way too high no i think we me. i think we said that was too many okay Someone we were talking about had six boats and we were like no absolutely not but if you if there's a number of boats you have, you're gonna end up naked, handcuffed to a bed, getting robbed by two lovely ladies, and that's just that's called fate. Should I give up a boat? Yeah, try donating to this podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, in 1995, I'm so sad to say they were both arrested. I really wish we had details on what they spent the money on. I'll I'll look into it. I'll see if I can find that out for an update on a future episode. Okay. I'm picturing them in, like, colorful fur coats, driving around in convertibles. Oh, with, like, absolutely. Pink convertible sunglasses. The boa is, is flapping. In the they yeah. have multiple poodles in the back of the convertible. <laughs> one of each color yeah my favorite part about this segment is i don't know if it's the police who are looking for them or who they are but they just keep talking about like they, i can't they should think about what they're doing to their families <laughs> they're ruining their families lives and i'm like what how also i mean yeah maybe they are but we never have heard that from a ma for a male suspect who's wanted i've never seen a guy rob a bank go on the run and then be like is he even thinking about his children <laughs> No! This is not said about Fumbles. No! Yeah! Is Fumbles thinking about his family and how embarrassing it is for his mom to be the mother of Fumbles? No. His These kids' moms are the real-life Thelma and Louise. This is the coolest thing that's ever happened to their families. You're right. It should be, like, on their family crest. But these these bummers of police officers, <laughs> these wet blanket police officers are like, just think of the children. Think of the children. They're, they don't have a mother at home to cook them dinner. It's called Easy Mac. Get some for your children. It's called a TV dinner, and they're fine. <laughs> they're fine. They'll get food. It's okay. Have, have you heard of a Lunchable police officer? <laughs> think they're gonna be okay with their quarter of a million dollars they can get all the frozen dino chicken nuggets and potato wedges they want <laughs> okay so they were both arrested i'm so sad to say rose's parents were gonna post bail for her but that would have left carol stuck in jail and they had a ride or die policy <laughs> so what they did was 
Carolyn called Rose's parents and explained that Rose's parent kids were in danger due to a villainous international private investigator named Avery. Okay. <laughs> and that if they did not somehow if they didn't bail Carolyn out, she wouldn't be able to protect the children and Avery, their arch nemesis, who is clearly not real, would get the kids. So this is uh, this is kind of why they kept bringing up the family thing is that Rose's parents put up their house and restaurant to post bond for Carolyn. But of course, they both ran off immediately. <laughs> okay, well, it's not cool. It's not super cool, but no, that is a, that crime does have a victim, and it's Rose's poor parents <laughs> that were willing to get their daughter out, even though she believed a... this clearly fake story. <laughs> they were like, "Our daughter would never lie to us." They were like flabbergasted that they they just that they posted bail and that her daughter just took off, and we literally see a a reenactment of two women driving around in a convertible having the time of their life <laughs> of course which, which i hope is literally what they drove like away from the prison like see you never bitches <laughs> okay um of course they both ran off immediately leaving a note saying that they had been kidnapped by avery he's out there <laughs> watch he's, out <laughs> he's out there causing very convenient complications okay now I loved everything about this. I'm not going to lie. But now this story takes a sad turn. And in this case, I sort of, I think I might blame the Unsolved Mysteries viewers for this one, which is they are eventually rested in Canada and sent back to Houston. If that was due to a viewer tip, shame on you. Shame on you, viewer. <laughs> but this is where it gets sad. Rose was sentenced to 30 years for robbery years she would have been better off killing one of those dudes what yeah she was sentenced to 30 years and has served her time carolyn was also convicted but guess what everyone she rolled on rose what she testified that, 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 this, this was a friendship for the ages i know so she only got and she still got 10 years so it wasn't that great of a bargain anyway Ugh. she served nine and was released so what i learned from that is that friendship's not real Sorry, Samantha. Oh, damn. Because I really thought those two women had something special. <laughs> and in the end, one rolled on the other. How could you? Her parents got you out of jail in the first place and lost their home and business. So anyway, the world is a nightmare. If if even if two, yeah, Thelma Louise women on the run can't make it, what hope is there for the rest of us? I mean, Michael Liz, that movie ends in tragedy. Yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> Minor detail. Okay, now we have to rate this episode. All right, mysteriousness. Okay, what the fuck is that light? I'm super mysterious. Thumbs up, just for that. Yeah, yeah, I'm thumbs up for sure. So uh, the next category is reenactments. You know what? Good. I think they're fine. Yeah, they're fine. I really liked the convertible car. Yeah. So. <laughs> There had to be. There had to be one. Yeah. So I'm going to say thumbs up again. Yeah, I'll do it. Fashion? Unremarkable. Honestly, the wanted could have had better fashion. I realize yeah. maybe even if it didn't reflect reality, they <laughs> really could have used some. I want fashion. like a pretty woman style shopping montage of them like yes. trying on different. With all their money. Hats. Yeah. What did they spend their money on? I want to see jukeboxes slot machines pool table i want to see all the ridiculous yes. things you would buy if yes. you suddenly had a quarter of a million dollars and we're like 
well, I guess I'm getting a an in-ground heart-shaped pool. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do when I have a quarter of a million dollars that I scammed out of men that are crying alone in hotel rooms. So yeah, definitely could have been better. I'm going to say thumbs down. Yeah, thumbs down too. Robert Sack. He did have some very poetic turns of phrase, but I feel like he could have been in that more. I agree. So what do you say? He should have been on a railroad track with a lantern. Oh my god, you're so right. And he should have been driving around in a convertible. Yes! Thumbs down. Robert Sack. (laughs) Get up your game. He should have he should have also like really awkwardly pointed out that he's never been scammed and handcuffed to a bed in a way that you went, wait, you clearly have. <laughs> clearly you wanna be. Yeah, you're protesting here. too much, Robert Stack. I don't believe you. That I wish was in there. So Unfortunately, <laughs> I've never Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I do have a lot of money, and yet women are never handcuffing me to beds and robbing me. It sounds really hot. That would have been great. So thumbs, thumbs down. down. Thumbs down. <laughs> thumbs down. Friendship is dead. Okay, so our Robert Stack scale, zero to five. I did really like this episode, actually. I um, really liked this. I but but I wish the unnecessary update was another little mystery. Yeah, I wish this episode needed a lost love, and the, the unnecessary yeah. update does not count. We've seen it before, and it's sad. This, this one, if if this episode had a lost love, it would be nearly perfect. It, it would be one of the best ever. Um, Yeah, it could have used just like a little, I don't know, like an armored car robbery or... um, Yeah. What about the bird at the state fair? Just a little... <laughs> a little that wasn't too harsh something like that so i'm gonna say four i think so too and it's a very solid four if it had had one more mystery it would be a five for me agreed but in the end three mysteries is kind of just not enough even if even if it includes a mysterious light in thelma and louise agreed what if they had gone on the run and they went to go find that light and they figured it out That, now that would be amazing. That would be a great twist. If, if you're writing something, a screenplay or a book right now, and you're like, I don't know how to end this. I've got all these things and send motion. them to find send them to find that light. Yeah, just out of nowhere, be like, Thelma, yes, Louise. I think we need to solve the mystery of the Gordon Light today. <laughs> and then they drive down to Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're welcome for that inspiration, everyone. Okay, so we like to end these. Did you know that we'd like to end our show with recommendations? Yes. Little, little palate cleanser. We have not talked about drugstore makeup in probably literal years. Oh, far too long. Because, I mean, I wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't really. I was, I was buying makeup, but I was not wearing any makeup. Those are two different hobbies, I would say. <laughs> oh, 100%. Just, it's just like if you do any kind of craft whatever the the raw materials are for your craft in my case it's fabric buying fabric and actually making things with said fabric two different different things things. two different things just like uh you know collecting books and reading books kind of completely unrelated unrelated but samantha once sent me some some meme about fabric that's like if i had a wine collection you wouldn't expect me to drink all the wine and i was like exactly so i'm trying to look at things a little bit more that way anyway whoa I have some drugstore makeup recommendations for y'all. My first recommendation, my biggest recommendation is for the, from, I don't know if you're supposed to say this, the creme shop or the cream shop? I always call it cream. I don't know if that's right. 
it has a little accent on it and it's spelled yeah, French. Yeah. But I'm sure nobody actually says it that way. I don't know. So either the Creme Shop or the Cream Shop, which is a Korean band that makes stuff in Korea and California, they have a CC cream, which they describe as full coverage, aid-defining, moisturizing. It does have an SPF of 30. This stuff is amazing. Ooh. It makes my skin so like it's like a very natural look, but it completely like removes redness and like any color variation and it makes your skin very matte and like consistent it doesn't feel heavy i don't know okay i don't really know enough about stuff to understand why something is full coverage and a cc cream that doesn't make sense to me but whatever um it has a decent shade range it looks like there's 17 shades okay not bad for the drugstore not bad for the drugstore. Definitely broader than I would expect from a Korean brand. It goes fairly deep. Um, obviously, I wear the the lightest shade because I'm practically a ghost. But uh, <laughs> I'm practically see-through. So I'm using the fairest one. Um, I like that it's got the FBF in it. But the texture of my skin when this is on, so good. Can't recommend it enough. Nice. Okay, what I would pair with that, I know you were wondering... Is the Elf's Mint Melt Cooling Face Primer. Okay, sounds lovely. This is a gel primer. I think it's kind of a dupe for the Milk Makeup Hydro Grip, which you might have seen at Sephora. It's like a clear, green, gooey primer. I actually think this is better. Hmm. And this costs only $8. Oh, I should have said the CC cream costs like $18. I got that at CVS. And then when I bought it, I was like... 18 for drugstore. CVS, though, you can get a coupon. That's true, too. That is true. And honestly, I do think it's worth the 18 bucks because it's quality. Okay. Um, This primer is only $8. It smells amazing. It's very minty, but in, like, a great way. It is very cooling and refreshing. And then it just kind of, yeah, just, like, grips your face whatever stuff on there for a very long time. Very effective primer. Absolutely no complaints. Nice. My last recommendation is for the Essence Lash, Lash Princess mascaras. All of these things have been out by for a while. I don't think any of them are new. I don't know how old the CC cream is. This mascara has been out forever. There's like four or five of them in this line from Essence. I have the purple one, which apparently is called Sculpted Volume. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> There's a waterproof one. There's a false lash effect. There's a curling one. There's a volume one, whatever. This mascara costs literally five dollars, and it is as good as any. I just use this now. It's definitely better than that. Better than sex mascara. I know we've complained about before. Okay, so clumpy. So I I don't know what sex that guy's having, but (laughs) it's not a great mascara. Uh, This is five dollars. I would compare it to like any any you know top line. I, I can't say I've tried a lot, but this is perfectly. A perfectly acceptable one for literally five bucks. All right. No complaints. for five dollars. Yeah, it doesn't flake on me. I have super watery eyes and it doesn't really come off. And um, you know, stays on there, looks good. Nice. Not super clumpy, just you know, makes you look like you have eyelashes. So um, those are my recommendations. Let me know if they work out for you. What about you? You already talked about yours, right? So that well, I do have a, another recommendation, which I, I feel like I already did my recommendation, but I'm gonna give you the recommendation that I actually had planned on doing because it's already 
woefully out of date and by the Mm -hmm. time this episode comes out it's going to be even more out of date and if i wait two more weeks i'm not gonna be able to talk about it okay so if you are like me and you've been actively avoiding the johnny depp and amber heard nonsense that's been going on for however long and like to the point where i muted words on twitter to try and evade the algorithm which is constantly feeding me this bullshit content if you've been actively avoiding it but you're getting to the point especially now the like the verdict has come out and there was all this like discourse about it if you are at the point where you have been avoiding it for so long that it has a bad feeling like you kind of get the gist of what's going on it feels laced with misogyny full of right-wing disinformation if it feels like that but you can't really put your finger on it because you've been avoiding it so hard that you you just want someone to give you like the cliff notes version so that when someone comes at you with like some as like when like someone in your family is a johnny depp stan and is like Mm. you know coming at you or whatever this hasn't personally happened to me but i feel like it's gonna so but you don't want to affect your algorithm because you've been avoiding it for so long why throw all that work away with one google search i'm going to recommend a podcast episode to you Mm. i listen to the podcast cancel me daddy okay which is a a great name i don't i've I've listened to literally one episode of this podcast i cannot vouch for the rest of this show it seems good i liked the hosts i don't know my first impression was good the name is great whatever um cancel me daddy uh they talk about cancel culture things that are in i'm not really interested in this as a topic but someone on twitter recommended this episode of this podcast and i was intrigued it's an extremely good it's like just the right amount i don't how long is this episode it's 51 minutes. It's like right the exactly the right amount. If you listen to this other podcast, I don't I've heard of this podcast, but I haven't listened to it. Although I've seen this guy on Twitter. Michael Hobbs is a host of a podcast called Maintenance Phase. He mm. comes on this other podcast, Cancel Me Daddy, and he talks to them about the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. And it's exactly what I wanted. It was like a Cliff Notes version of everything that happened and why if you have a hunch that this is like kind of messed up, you're probably right. Um, and this is why, and he gives you like a bulleted list. He's very concise. It's very good. I listened to one episode. I did not, I'm still actively avoiding it. I have not unmuted these words on, on Twitter, but I got exactly what I needed out of this podcast episode. Now, do not talk about this in our Facebook group. I don't want to see Johnny Depp's name <laughs> mentioned in our Facebook group. This is for you. personal use. Go on, go out, go forth and listen to this podcast and do not come at me with any of <laughs> with any of the discourse. I'm not interested. I don't want to talk about it. I, I don't I don't I don't want to hear about it. But for my own benefit, I enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Cancel me, daddy. Hilarious name. Um, you it. might like it. You might like it, too. And I, my algorithm seems unaffected. So <laughs> great. Great. <laughs> I'm going to throw in a like minor recommended uh recommendation recomm- another recommended recommendation what I'm going to throw in a minor recommendation to a company that which is the same I had been trying to avoid all of that information and then when the verdict came in I was I got kind of upset by some of the stands things they were saying <laughs> I was like this seems like to be a very bad path that we're about to go down I'm not super happy about this uh, the Instagram user, pretty nobody, has documented a lot of receipts of just sort of his patterns of abuse and other people that have spoken out. And 
even if for whatever reason you don't believe Amber Heard, there's other shit. <laughs> so you, there, she yeah. just has compiled a lot of the receipts of that. So if you feel like, you know, you, the media coverage of this has been pretty biased. If you would like to see some of that other things he's admitted to doing, etc., then you could find that there. Say the name of that Instagram handle again. It's at Pretty Nobody. Okay, nice. It's an artist. I followed her for like totally unrelated reasons. um, And that just is something that has been on her mind clearly lately. So that is how I learned some stuff and was like, oh, yeah, this is actually really depressing. Great. Yeah, everything that has snuck through my algorithm to reach me has been has been very very depressing and and yeah but it's it's great it's great i love this country i love the direction we're going it seems like nothing but positive things could happen from here on out yeah it's definitely not uh getting worse every single day it's just yeah it's very just depressing Uh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if you don't like that i don't know fuck off I don't care. We don't need downloads that bad. No, we don't want to hear about it, and we do not care. Wow. Well, let's end on that note. (laughs) I hope everybody will follow us on social media and not talk to us about this subject. So that will be Instagram, (laughs) Twitter. Did you know we have a very active Facebook group? We actually have a couple Facebook groups. Samantha and I participate in them. If you're interested in that, that exists. You, you know, you could join Facebook under a fake name and just do that. You don't have to do the rest of it. You don't have to go argue with boomers about, you know, rules for showing flags or whatever the hell people are using. You can, you can join a group for canning. (laughs) Yeah. You you canning advice and then you can join our Facebook group and then you can live a blissful life from here out. Maybe weird second hand finds that need to be shared. That brings oh, some absolutely. joy into my life. But you don't, really, you don't really need to use the rest of it. You don't have to post shit. No, you don't have to do any of that. You don't have to do any of that. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, we you know where else you can reach us? Hmm. Repod. Yes, we love Repod, both because they gave us money and also because it is a great way to comment on specific episodes, have little conversations about them. You can do a timestamp. You can make a little clip. It's pretty cool. So you can download our episodes there and also tell us why we're great. Oh, people are, I, I wish Repod had been around forever because people are constantly like re listening to our old shows for some reason. I do not understand why. And then they'll like, they'll like post quotes in our Facebook group that I have zero yeah. recollection of ever saying. They're mm-hmm. hilarious, very funny. I don't remember saying them oh, more than half the time. If there was a clip, if, if someone had clipped that phrase in Repod and like reposted it somehow, that would be hilarious. Yeah, we definitely want you to do that because we do not remember what we say. I was I was having a conversation on Twitter with a different podcaster and they asked if I listened to that because they knew you edited the episodes. Did I listen to them before we um, published them? And I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And they were like, do you think that's really necessary? And I was like, I don't know, but I literally wouldn't remember any of our content if I did not do that. <laughs> So, yes, it, it's not, like, necessary for, like, I don't know, like, editing reasons. We don't, yeah, usually, we don't yeah. usually make changes after right, I do the, right. after the I, first edit. We're not saying controversial things usually. <laughs> Afterwards, we're like, oh, shouldn't have said that. That doesn't really happen, fortunately. Yeah, it's more just so I'm like, oh, right, we are hilarious. I forgot. <laughs> um, okay, 
I have not asked you to send in your spooky stories for a while, but you should oh, do you that. you should do that. Because if you don't, we're going to have to be reading about the Haunted Pizza Hut <laughs> from that book, which <laughs> I, I'm, I'm interested, I'm willing to do, but I feel like if we throw in a few of your stories, it's going to be better. It's going to be better. Apparently, or... literally everywhere in this state is haunted. It can't just be us. <laughs> yes. You've seen ghosts. We know You've you have. you seen a ghost. I mean, have you ever been to the Mounds Theater in St. Paul? That's apparently haunted. Or um, then you can just point to a map and say, "Have you ever been there? It's haunted." And I would <laughs> not. I would. We're not in the same room. I would have no idea. I'm just flipping through that book now. Have you ever been to Gibbs Farmhouse in St. Paul? It's Is a it museum. Gibbs. 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 Yes, I've been to the Gibbs Farm. It's a popular destination for school children to go on field trips. Well, I made. I'm pretty sure I made a wax candle there. Well, as a ten year old, <laughs> that wax may have been haunted. Maybe. Maybe my house is haunted now. I don't probably. know where that, whatever happened. I'm sure my, well, my mom's house probably. I'm sure she still has it. Tell her to burn the candle and see if she sees any ghosts. Oh, you're right. Okay. Uh, what else do we need to say? Patreon. You should give us even just $1. We'll get you so many bonus episodes. You get a welcome postcard. There's other things like coloring sheets and gifts. It's over 50 bonus episodes you get instant Man. access to for one dollar this is honestly honestly we're bad business women because we keep putting out more content for the same price yeah yeah and we can't change it now because people are locked in at that price so well when you first make a pay so when you're when you make a patreon you can put your goals and i put five because we always say we have five listeners. So I made our, our goal five, which we have more than five patrons. Now we met our goal and we can never change it. <laughs> so Works for me. <laughs> uh, is there anything else? Oh, um, smash that subscribe button. I was going to say hit that motherfucking subscribe button. You injure your finger. I want your acrylic to pop off. <laughs> Ooh, wow. Because you hit that subscribe button so hard. Just kidding. I don't. That sounds painful. Um, and also give us a five-star review. The only type of review we accept. Yep. You can say, wow, I really hate Liz's voice and if I never want to listen to this again. Five stars. The only place I will allow some depth discourse <laughs> is in a five-star review. I don't care what you say in a five-star review. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Yeah. I agree. If you want to okay, say that's not literally every there are some things I would care about, but very few. If you want to be like Johnny Depp is my imaginary boyfriend because I saw Don Juan DeMarco on a plane at eight years old, <laughs> which I did, let me tell you. Eye-opening experience. Um, you have to put that in review. And it better be a five-star review, or we're coming for you. Yep. With all the ghosts in the state of Minnesota. <laughs> we're coming all for you with a lot ghost, of ghosts too. With a ghost pig, with the little brown bird. With haunted that drain, you don't want to see that haunted drain. <laughs> haunted you don't want to see what's drain. in that drain. That haunted drain's coming from you. That that ghost in Anoka that took a bite out of a cookie. You don't want to mess with that. Such wholesome ghosts. I know. I love this place. Okay, that is the end. Everyone, solve some mysteries. If you have a theory about what the Gordon Light is, Ooh, I want to know. No, write us know. in. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Bye, everyone. Keep barking. Bye. Bye.